Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Stacking the Box, the NFL edition, even though we are joined by Reed Wallet today, who is the co-host of the College Football Edition. Don't worry, he'll be back tomorrow to talk college football and give out some bets for week one. But today we're going to do a little bit of a hybrid show. No Sterling this week. I was not in last week. I'm in this week. We're going to do a little NFL, a little college football, because football's back, officially. The preseason is over. The college football regular season has already started. NFL regular season starts next week. Uh, and we got a lot of news to go over uh, in both the NFL and the college football world. Reed, how are you doing? How are you do- How are you feeling after week zero of the college football season? Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, Ian. And yeah, it was... it was nice to get the blood flowing again, get a nice sweat in on college football. It was... Uh, a pretty gross slate. I think everyone knew that going into week zero, but there was like your classic college football, really dumb decision-making from the coaches and the players. Uh, A few games that got a little wacky in terms of, you know, end games and stuff like that. A few injuries kind of changed the results of some games. So, um, you know, I I had all the emotions. It was a, a subdued slate, but I had all the emotions of betting on a, college football Saturday, you know, the heart racing, the headaches, the confusion, the happiness, the sadness, all of it into one weekend. So it was a nice little uh, appetizer for what should be uh, another you know great season of college football. And uh, yeah, pumped to be on. Yeah. And for anyone who's watching the YouTube version of this, uh, especially live, you can see that I'm still soaking up uh, the last few drops of vacation I have. I'm uh, not in New York. I'll be back in New York next week for uh, the opening week of the NFL season. Uh, before we get into the biggest winners and losers from this past week, uh, need to let you guys know about DraftKings because guess what? They have upgraded their sign-up offer for a limited time. If you're a new user, you can receive $200 in bonus bets by following just three steps. Number one, create an account. Number two, make a deposit. And then number three, wager just $5 or more on any sport. That's right, the bet can be as small as $5. Whether your first wager wins or loses, you'll still receive the $200 in bonus bets. All you have to do is use the code STB when you sign up. That stands for Stacking the Box, STB. The best part is using our code STB not only gets you the bonus, but also supports this podcast. So if you're considering signing up for DraftKings, and you certainly should with the start of the football season here, use our code STB to maximize your first bets. This offer is available for new customers who are 21-plus and physically present in illegal gambling states. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. As we always do, and now at Stack of the Box, we start the show off with our biggest winners and losers from this past week. Generally, we stick to the NFL, but because it's a little bit of a hybrid show, uh, let's go ahead and I will do some biggest winners and losers from the NFL. Reed, you do some biggest winners and losers from the college football. Uh, Why don't you start us off? Biggest winner in college football this past week? Oh, it, it's got to be Notre Dame. Uh, play Navy. I mean, listen, they were big favorites in this game. They were expected to roll close as like around a three-touchdown favorite. But, I mean, transfer quarterback Sam Hartman, one of the most coveted transfers in the portal this offseason, veteran quarterback, passed for over 5,000 yards at Wake Forest. I have my question about this Notre Dame offense, but – uh, Hartman and the Notre Dame offense really smacked Navy. Uh, 42 to three was the final. This was a close game last year, 35, 32. And this game, Notre Dame, I think scored on like their first five or six possessions in a row. And then the backups came in and slowed down. But Sam Hartman clearly didn't miss a beat from changing offenses, maybe a drop off in talent at receiver, but, uh, definitely a sign of optimism for Notre Dame that, it looks like their floor is going to be higher with Hartman there. And you know, I, I still question if like this team is like 10 win college football playoff good, but 
last year, like they lost games to Marshall. They were in close games with really inferior competition. It seems like that's not going to be the case this year because they have um, a reliable quarterback in Sam Hartman that they didn't have last year. Maybe when they play, whether it's Ohio State, Clemson, USC, all those teams are on the schedule. So maybe they can't compete at that level, but uh, maybe they could avoid those upsets that plagued them last year uh, with some suspect quarterback play. So definitely Notre Dame, in my opinion, best, uh, biggest winner uh, of week zero. I'm seeing whispers that people think this is the best Notre Dame that we've seen in the past decade. Do you buy into mm. that or is that an overreaction from one week zero game against the Navy? I'm slow in my role on like that. This team is like, again, like college football playoff. Good. This was a Notre Dame team that went, how long ago was that national championship? I can't even remember. I, that was Monte Teo year, wasn't it? Yeah, but they, they made the playoff again also. Maybe it's around 10 years. I, I'm not going to overreact because Navy really looked in bad shape. First uh, year head coach, Brian Newberry, looked pretty um, out of sorts also. So I'm not going to overreact too much to one game and one sample, but definitely higher floor, which I think I had a question of Notre Dame, like where is this team going to shake out? And I think definitely Hartman transitioning schemes looked really good. So not going crazy, but definitely biggest winner for sure in a limited week zero slate. All right. My biggest winner for the NFL is just rookie quarterbacks in general. They have all now officially been named the starter. I think the only one that was still up for de- de- debate was CJ Stroud. Um, and they all kind of had their best performance, especially Stroud and Bryce Young in the final week of the preseason. So that's good news for them because Stroud especially did not look good in the first two weeks of the preseason. He finally threw a touchdown in, in week three of the preseason. Bryce Young had some issues. Looks like there might be some issues with that offensive line in Carolina, but he had his best performance in week three of the preseason. Uh, Anthony Richardson obviously uh, will be starting. That was already announced. So I'm just going to say overall – a good week for rookie quarterbacks. I think I'm going to count them as the winners. Uh, we'll see what happens in week one. Bryce Young obviously gets to go against my Falcons in week one. Feeling pretty good about that matchup. But overall, I'll say my winners for the NFL this past week, rookie quarterbacks. Let's move on to losers. Reed, who's the biggest loser in the college football world this past week? Uh, I'm going to go with UTEP. This was Ooh. one of the more infuriating uh, games on the week zero slate. Um I wasn't super high on UTEP coming into the season, but really bad coaching decisions left and right. They went for it fourth down at one point in the first quarter, uh, went like rugby style formation and it was a disaster. They lost like five yards End game down three. They were really moving the ball pretty well in the second half Um, down 17, 14, probably should have more points than that. Anyway, third and one, like around the 30, they throw to the end zone about like a 30 yard pass doesn't work. And then on fourth and one, they opt to pass again and quarterback Gavin Harrison looks off the wide open guy, like five yards in front of him, looks him off, throws an incomplete pass and they lose with like a minute left again. Pretty simple in my opinion to just sneak it, pick up the first and, or even like settle for a field goal. If you really feel the need to um, just really bad coaching, bad decision-making really concerned. I saw a lot of love for UTEP in conference USA. Like people were taking them, over the win total, which is five and a half, win the conference at like a double-digit number. Um, that was a conference game they just lost against the Jacksonville State team. It was their first FBS game uh, in school history. I I think Jacksonville – like they were a really good FCS team, so it's not like they are like really, really bad, but they did not look good at all. And um, to lose a game like that in a crowded conference, that's going to hurt because that was like a pick em game. You get like – I imagine the people that bet them to win the conference were expecting like, oh, they're going to win this game on the road and like jumpstart a pretty good season here. That's tough. So uh, I'll say UTEP, a team a lot of people were on. That's probably the biggest loser from week zero. But it was a limited slate, so I don't know if like you have to make too crazy, but that's one where that hurts you. UTEP, a team that had higher expectations and kind of laid an egg in my opinion. My loser of the week for the NFL, this one's probably pretty obvious, the Arizona Cardinals. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more uh, later in the show here, but the Cardinals, uh, everyone kind of knew Kyler Murray was going to be healthy to start the year. Rumors he might not play at all this year. But they thought Colt McCoy, veteran back and quarterback, who's had flashes of success as a starter in the NFL, was going to be their starter week one. Uh, they released him. Joshua Dobbs, most likely to be their starting quarterback, a guy they traded for last week. So he'll be in the Cardinals facility for about two weeks before making his first start with the team. Um, And they're also trading everyone else. Isaiah Simmons, uh, an offensive lineman, 
they have basically declared that they're going to tank before the season even starts. So we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, whether or not that's a good move for them. Uh, but Cardinals fans, biggest loser of the week, because they have nothing to be excited for this year. Uh, at this point, maybe they should just cheer that their team is as bad as possible so, so they get the first overall pick. But even when you're a bad team, most seasons – you have at least a glimmer of hope at the start of the year that, hey, maybe something crazy will happen. Maybe, you know, we'll be the Bengals from a few years ago that people expect to be bad and end up going to the Super Bowl. Maybe we'll even make the playoffs. If you're in a weak division like the AFC South, hey, maybe we'll even compete in that division. Cardinals fans don't even have that. They, they, got, they got the week one, week two, week three hope just ripped from their hand before the opening kickoff even happened. That sucks. I, I feel like... Arizona is going to go like they're going to win like four or five games this year, which like that's not expected anymore. Yeah. I I feel like maybe I'm just like zagging just to zag, but yeah, like week one, I I think like a lot of survivor picks are going to be on the commanders big favorite against Arizona. Yes. I just weird things happen in the NFL. I just, I don't know. I, I feel like Arizona might be like by accident, more frisky. Like even what was the Texans, the Bears, they won, what, three games last year? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just feel like the gap is so low. Or the gap is so small between a lot of these teams nowadays that you could stumble into a, a win or two. I don't know. I just feel like – I feel like the sentiment is so low in Arizona. They're obviously trying to tank and, like, not put forth a competitive roster that, you know, the guys in the field are still going to try. Yeah, I'm just looking I agree at with you, though. Like, they suck, but, yeah, I just – Total over DraftKings, I believe. And by the way, if you go bet at DraftKings, uh, sign up using code STB. Yeah, their win total has even dropped from four and a half, four and a half down to three and a half um, over at DraftKings. Uh, the under still plus one twenty to go under three and a half wins. Uh, and yeah, I believe they're seven point underdogs to the Commanders in, in Week One. So, Reed, you and I both big Survivor guys. When this news broke, my immediate thought was, oh, Commanders are going to be an easy Survivor pick in Week One. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, oh. Everyone's going to be on the commanders because they're a bad, like overall a bad team, not a team that's going to be a, you know, a sexy pick most weeks in survivor pools. You can get them out of the way in week one, not use a bad team. And they're seven point favorites against a team that's tanking. That seems too good to be true. Reed. It yeah, seems too that, good to be true. I remember years ago, not years, maybe it was just like five years ago. I remember the Vite, the Vikings were like a huge favorite against the bills, or maybe it was the other yes. way around. The bills were a no, huge Josh favorite Allen's against the rookie year. Yeah, and they were like 19-point favorites, and they lost. I just remember that being like – that's always one where like – again, maybe commanders just rolling Arizona so terrible, but I feel like that's one where like 65% of the pool takes the commanders, and it's just so much easier to try and like take a – like a maybe it's like Baltimore, who I know like is going to be very good and you want to keep them for like the end of the year, but like maybe just take Baltimore and like – just root really hard for Arizona to pull a stunner and just wipe out more than half the bull in one full yep. swoop. I don't know. I feel like you're going to have opportunities to bet against Arizona. Maybe it's not week one. Like you just like, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Commanders are an interesting team this year. I see a lot of like really differing opinions uh, from them. I don't know yes. if we're going to talk about them during the show, but I see a lot of, a lot of uh, People really like back and forth on them if they like Sam Howell, if they like the defense, if they like Ron Rivera as a coach, Bianami, all that stuff. So pretty interesting team, Washington. I should be a interesting team to follow and see how they perform this year. Yeah, not a team that I want to pick and survivor week one, even going against Cardinals. I think the commanders are a team I want to wait and see what happens, wait and see what they look like through the first few weeks. Um that's biggest winners and losers. Top story of the week, uh, especially in the uh, in the NFL here. Uh, has to be the 49ers um, trading Trey Lance to the Cowboys just, what, two years away since drafting him, what, fourth overall was it? Uh, trading up to get him, big move, third overall. Yep. All of a sudden now uh, he played a couple of games of them, and now he's in uh, Dallas. They brought in Sam Darnold in the offseason. He's uh, been declared as the back and quarterback to Brock Purdy, who was selected as uh, Mr. Irrelevant from the draft. Uh, pretty unlikely way that this whole scenario has shaken out, but it is what it is. Um, Mr. Irrelevant is now the starting quarterback in San Francisco. Sam Darnold's a backup, and Trey Lance uh, is in Dallas. 
did, did this trade surprise you at all, Reed, when, when you saw this come across your feet? No, I think it's solid insurance. You never know what's going to happen. I mean, cost them, what was it, a fourth-round pick? Like, it, it yes. cost so little to get a guy that, like, conceivably has a ton of upside and really couldn't find a footing. Like, I don't know. I think – look at this one the other way. I It feels like everyone's starting to say, like, oh, like, the Niners deserve more flack for, like, what happened with the Trey Lance thing. But, like, I, yeah, they do. They, they really do. This is a team, like – Everybody loves Kyle Shanahan. Everybody loves what the Niners have done around the roster. And like, oh, look at how great they are that like they make a, you know, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant look good. And like they still go and Jimmy Garoppolo even like they go to MC championship games. Yeah. Like imagine if they didn't mortgage their future to go trade up for Trey Lance, who was known as an unproven commodity in a wild card. And what if they took if they still trade up and they took Justin Fields? Um, I think the Niners probably have a Super Bowl by now, in my opinion. Um I just think, yeah, I, I think the Niners really bungled this one and get a fourth rounder back. That that sucks. Um, yeah, I don't think – I wasn't that crazy about Trey Lance when he came out. Maybe he catches on here in Dallas. Maybe Dak gets hurt again and a spot opens up for him. But I don't know. I feel like – like I know like Dak seemed like pissed and whatever, but like is it really that big of a deal? It, it was like a flyer. It's like taking a disgruntled ass. The Giants did – I know it's quarterback, so it's more buzzy, but like Giants took a flyer on like Isaiah Simmons, who I think was in the same draft. Like, just like value, just like, I don't know, worth a shot. Worst case, he sucks and you don't pick up his fifth year option and he's a free agent. That's that. You lost a fourth round pick. I think part of the reason why the quarterback room was upset is this real Will Greer is now released. And I think he was a popular guy in that locker room for one reason or another. I saw some reports about that. But in hindsight, Reed, I don't know how we didn't all see this coming. Like, this. Trey Lance threw 99 passes in high school, only 318 attempts over three years with North Dakota State. How did this guy end up going fourth overall? It seems so obvious in hindsight. Was it just his workouts? Was it the talent? Like what? 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 What made all of us get seduced by this guy and think that he was worth a fourth overall pick? Probably his traits and his tools, and I mean, especially when a team like the 49ers trades up to conceivably get him. I mean, this is a guy's, you know, six, four showcase some mobility and 6'4, 225 pounds, you know, showcase some mobility as well. Uh, maybe Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch got like, you know, seduced into like the limited tape and like maybe a few workouts that they could run. And the Niners offense in itself is one of the more unique offensive schemes in the right. NFL. So maybe that's like Shanahan was like, all right, this is like the mold of who we need. And this is what we could do. And it's funny because, since getting to the NFL, Justin Fields, who I just looking at like the draft class, like Trevor was off the board, Zach Wilson was off the board. So now, you know, Justin Fields and Trey Lance to me are the natural comparisons. Fields has showcased a ton of mobility and a big arm and really just have been devoid of weapons and a stat offensive line. I just think he's the perfect fit for that system. I thought it at the draft also. I I, was, I thought the Niners should definitely take Justin Fields. Um, yeah, seems like Trey Lance is more of like a toolsy guy. And we see this in the NFL draft all the time. Uh you know, like Will Levis, like look at his arm strength. Like he like threw what he do, like 60 yards, like on his knees. And he was looked at as like a top three pick right. by spring. And then he falls to the second round. So, you know, beauty in the eye of the beholder. That's kind of just it. I, I don't know if Trey Lance is really getting off the ground. He's still young. Uh, was he 24, 23? So he's still young, born in 2000. Right. That's crazy. Um, but yeah, I just. <laughs> One thing I hate doing is looking at the uh, year of birth of rookies and young guys in the NFL. And it's like, this guy was born in 2002. He's now oh one of the best God. players in the NFL. <laughs> um, one thing to note about that trade, Dak, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this earlier or not, Dak's contract up at the end of last year. And I think the Cowboys have an O uh, at the end of this year. They can get out of it without too much dead cap space at the end of this year. So, um and even Jerry Jones, I think, was on radio or something talking about how if uh, Jalen Hurts was available, they're going to draft him. Like, it seems like they're losing faith in Dak Prescott a little bit. So uh, might be a chance to let Trey Lance develop for a year or two and then take over from Dak. If they don't like what they've seen from Dak up to this point. So, um, yeah, because obviously Cooper Rush might be there as a backup, but he is not a long-term answer. Trey Lance, probably not a long-term answer, but we still don't know yet. Guy who potentially still has a high ceiling. Uh, if things kind of go his way. 
Yeah. Uh, 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 all right, let's talk about some more NFL, and then we are going to finish the show off with college football since you are our college football expert, Reed. Uh, but a few things left to talk about in the NFL. Number one, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, today is the last day that he can get traded. I really hope uh, I hope that he was going to get traded before we went live so we could talk about that a little bit. Uh, unless something broke in the last 20 minutes, Jonathan Taylor is still not traded. He has until 4 p.m. Eastern today to get traded from the Colts. The reason being is at 4 p.m. Eastern, they need to either put him on the active roster or put him on the PUP, the PUP list. And if we put him on there, then he can't, I think it's he can't play at all till week five for the Colts or yeah, for any other four teams. Weeks. Right. So it kind of shuts down any chance of him getting traded before the season starts. So uh, if a trade is going to happen, and it's probably going to happen today before 4 p.m. Eastern, um, yeah, there's and there's been a couple teams that have been in the mix. The Dolphins apparently have already made an offer that got rejected, and there's apparently another kind of surprise team that hasn't been revealed uh, that came out of the woodworks either last night or this morning in the mix for Jonathan Taylor. So a lot of insiders think that it's more likely he's going to get traded than not get traded, uh, but the clock is ticking. we got three hours and 40 minutes left until the deadline. Does he get traded, yes or no? No. No, I don't think so either. I- I, I don't think so. Well, where is an offer coming from for Jonathan Taylor? Like, it, don't even tell me the team. Just tell me what situation is a team feel the need that they need to give up what I assume – I what was it? Ursay said like he wants like a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor or something like that. What team is giving that up when we see the value of running backs in the NFL? And I listen, Jonathan Taylor, Wisco uh, alum there. Oh, right. It's not worth it. It's not worth it, man. Uh, guy who got banged up last year also, uh, he is a free agent after this year. Why Why would a team give up assets when they could conceivably, and I imagine he get franchise tagged, but like conceivably sign him in the offseason next year? I just don't see the point. And there's no conversation I hate more than like running backs getting paid. I, it's the worst. It, I think it's like such a nonsensical argument. It's just like, economics like it's like the value of a position sorry like right you could draft one in the seventh round and they tend to far outproduce someone on like a big contract so i just like i i don't care <laughs> like i right um i just i i struggle to like see why people find this like a great talking point and i don't know who's gonna really meet the colts asking price if the colts significantly downgrade their price and they want like a third, fourth round pick for Jonathan Taylor, maybe like a player. Sure. Then maybe it gets done, but I don't see that happening, especially by like today's uh, deadline. Yeah. And, and like I said, the dolphins are the one team that have made an offer is already rejected. They're going to come back and try to pay even more. I mean, if that offer was rejected, I mean, how far away were the two sides too? Cause I think the dolphins really are the only team that kind of makes sense for them. Uh, that talented team, but, kind of don't really have a great running back room. I think Raheem Mostert is their starter right now. They got a rookie right now who didn't have a great preseason. The other team was the Eagles, but like, why would the Eagles like make a big move to get Jonathan Taylor when they just got DeAndre Swift? They already got Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott, a pretty loaded from there. I think it's Dolphins or nothing. And if their first offer that they did make confirmed was rejected, are they going to come back and and now, you know, increase that offer by even more? Probably not. Probably not uh, at this point uh, in between the preseason and the regular season. So, I think we agree, but hey, maybe things will change, and maybe before the show is even out, maybe there's going to be some breaking news. But uh, like I said, three hours and 35 minutes now until Jonathan Taylor uh, can get traded. Doesn't look like it. We both agree about that. Cardinals tanking. Talk about this a little bit. Release Colt uh, Colt McCoy. Joshua Dobbs probably going to be their starter for Week One. Looks like it. My question for you, Reed, is it if you are a team that you know you're going to have a bad season? Your starting quarterback is already going to be out for a a period of time. You just got a new head coach. You're clearly rebuilding. Is it best to just figuratively tank the year before it even starts to try to get that number one overall pick? Is that a good move? Or should you give it a few weeks to see if some kind of miracle can happen before you throw in the towel? Uh, No, I, I... I think this is fine. I don't have like a strong opinion. By the end of the year, the the bottom falls out on these teams that like can pivot. Like there's enough time in the season. I think if the Cardinals would have kept Colt McCoy, that's fine. Uh, you know, like I think they weren't going to win many games anyway. I don't think. I think this move is being a little overblown in terms of 
like the impact Colt McCoy had. I mean, Colt McCoy at the end yeah. of his career anyway, he's a career backup, like him versus Clayton Tune. I don't see, or even Josh Dobbs at this point. Like, I don't see much of a difference between the three. I think the Cardinals are going to be pretty bad anyway. So if this is like an MO, I think that you're also well, in, like the Cardinals could have played out the season with whoever at quarterback. And then if they were like in a race for the number one pick, you could easily like enough injuries will build up and enough guys will be like nicked up that you could sit the guys for the last like five weeks of the season, four weeks of the season, still get like to a top one or two pick. And also, uh, they do the Cardinals do have also the Texans pick and the Texans are projected to be like a bottom five team also. So that's also right. playing into their benefit that if they really want to, they could try and win as much as they want in hopes that the Texans also are in like that bottom ish range for a top pick next year. Great point. Uh, Hunter chimes in the chat, big move from rap sheet. The Broncos are trading for saints kicker. Will Lutz back with Sean Payton. Wow. What a move. Get your Super Bowl bets in now in the Broncos. We all know there's nothing more important than the relationship between a head coach and a kicker. Yeah, that I Will Lutz was pretty he was banged up last year I think, but Will Lutz used to be like all reliable. He's probably going to like uh course. like the altitude in Denver. Um there I think we're going to talk about I think we're going to talk about the Broncos in a little bit though. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Preseason now officially in the books. Reed, I know obviously you've been kind of paying closer attention to college football with you being the college football guy. So I'm not going to, unless you have a name, I, I won't. Uh, put you in the hot seat here, but my, I did want to give out my MVP of the preseason. It's a guy I've talked about on the show already. Uh, basically every single week of the preseason, a guy who was a big name heading into uh, at well, right after the hall of fame game. And he did what he had to do to get the backup spot in Cleveland as a quarterback. And that's Dorian Thompson Robinson, who had kind of, he was up against it because he had to compete with Kellen Mond um and Dobbs Joshua Dobbs that we just mentioned he's now in Arizona there's four quarterbacks in that room three guys battling for the backup spot and he beat both of them they released Mon who I think they re-signed and is now might be I think on the Browns practice squad uh and then Dobbs they traded to Arizona so uh it's good to see a guy um moves in the preseason impress coaches and listen I, I've mentioned this before on this show NFL preseason training camp and even like the starters that we talk about on these shows when we're trying to evaluate teams, that's a, such a small portion of players who are actually in the NFL. The large majority of players are guys who are just competing for backup roles, for a paycheck, to be able to play the sport of football for a living. So when you see a guy who probably heading into training camp, people probably expected that he at best he'd be a, a practice squad guy ended up exceeding expectations, and now he is the number one backup behind Deshaun Watson in Cleveland. So uh, feel-good story there, product out of, out of UCLA. Read any thoughts on Dorian Thompson Robinson? Yeah, the real ones knew that DTR was legit. Uh, very familiar uh, with DTR, dual threat, absolutely electric. I'm pumped that he won this job and that he's – not that like I'm rooting for an injury, but that he's an injury away from being a starting NFL quarterback. He's the you know backup to Deshaun Watson. I, I – absolutely electric player really pumped that he's was able to shine the preseason and win the job. Like you said, I just think he gives the Browns for sure um, a ton more upside when he's in rather than like Kellen Mond and Josh Dobbs. Like those guys, I think we know what they are and who they are. DTR, I think with his ability to take off run pretty big arm. Also he's super athletic. Um, I think definitely gives the Browns, a lot of insurance behind Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. Yeah. And I will give a shout out to another uh, preseason MVP um, is uh, Aiden O'Connell with the Raiders. Now I don't think he won the second string job, or I don't know if it's been announced who they're going to go as the backup there, but that's, he had a little bit of a tougher challenge with Brian Hoyer having history with Josh McDaniel. 
Brian Hoyer is like the prototypical backup quarterback in the NFL. Um, but Aiden McConnell, uh, the Raiders completed, I just saw this, the Raiders completed 71% of Aiden O'Connell passes during the preseason. So he also had an extremely impressive uh, preseason. If he doesn't uh, land with the Raiders or even if they have to put him through waivers, I haven't, like I said, haven't looked through the Raiders situation here. Uh, if he's not going to end up there, he's going to end up somewhere else. He was that impressive throughout the, the Raiders so, throughout the preseason. So honorable mention, Aiden O'Connell for preseason MVP. The other storyline from the preseason before we kind of put a bow on the preseason and move on to the regular season here storyline. I've been following closely. Rourke, arguably the greatest Canadian quarterback in football history, finally got a shot uh, in the NFL with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They waived him yesterday. That's disappointing, but he's another guy who had little to no shot of winning the backup role. Uh, with uh, C.J. Bathard there in Jacksonville. They just signed him in the offseason to a two-year extension uh, to be the Jaguars' backup quarterback. He was waived uh, despite also having an extremely impressive preseason. Probably the highlight of the preseason when he threw that touchdown pass against the Cowboys. He completed 23 of 35 passes for 348 yards uh, and one touchdown, and then he added in a uh, rushing touchdown uh, as well, I believe. So likely what's going to happen is they waive him if nobody picks him up, he'll end up being their practice squad quarterback in Jacksonville. He's good enough to be at least a backup in the NFL, though. I was on Nathan Rourke before anyone else was on him. <laughs> I tweeted last summer. I said, this Nathan Rourke guy is going to be in the NFL the next season in 2023. He'll be a practice squad guy, so I was kind of right. Okay. Listen. Nathan uh, Rourke. Keep an eye out for him. Yeah. Um, I'm drawing a blank on what school he went to. I, I see it Ohio. in my too. Yeah, obviously, because uh, his brother Curtis Rourke is there, uh, really good quarterback. Yes. Definitely a higher uh, upside. Like, I think Curtis Rourke, like, drafted next year. Um, but besides the point, uh, you you always root for the Canadians. I You know, I got a soft spot for you and uh, the Canadian brotherhood there. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes for Nathan Rourke. The pride of Victoria, British Columbia. <laughs> Curtis born there as well. Curtis, for some reason, born in – Oakville. I don't I don't know what the story is there. I guess maybe their family moved around a little bit, but two Canadian quarterbacks. Watch out. We're taking over the NFL. Um, all right. That's basically the it. That's that's all I have to say about the preseason. Before we get into the college football read, I do want to get uh, your official pick on this now that we are uh, just over a week away from opening kickoff. And that is our favorite win total bet for the upcoming NFL season. We're both betting guys. Um, we will both be betting on uh, football this coming season. Uh, so curious what your favorite over under win total for the 2023 NFL season is. It's the Denver Broncos under eight and a half wins. I, I don't like, I'm going against conventional wisdom that like you shouldn't overreact to preseason and you shouldn't really take away anything. But I watched the Broncos play the Cardinals and Russell Wilson played, I believe like a majority of the first half, if not the entire first half. And he still looked pretty slow looked very indecisive out there the offensive line looked terrible and again we were just talking about how bad the cardinals are going to be again preseason so don't overreact but that got me thinking and i just wasn't in tune with what the win total was going to be for the broncos where it was in the market and stuff and i i saw it again i saw eight and a half i'm just like i thought about it again i thought about what i just saw i thought about the pieces in denver i just don't think sean payton really can account for that big, it's a big upgrade over Nathaniel Hackett, but you're telling me in a really tough division that this Broncos team is just going to be over 500 again because I think that Russell Wilson we saw last year was the beginning of what we're going to see in the future. I don't think this was a blip. I think this was what the norm is going to be. And if that's mm-hmm. the case, this Denver team is, is not going over 500 in my opinion. So under eight and a half, I just think – I don't think they're going to be a disaster like they were last year, but and also injuries at wide receiver. Jerry Judy's out for a few weeks. Tim Patrick's out for the year, if I'm not mistaken. I just think this team can't – you need them to go under 500 and you win. I'll take that. <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy with that. We're on opposite sides for that one. I took the over and for tell the me why. Tell me what. I'm, tell me what I'm missing. I'm convinced by their defense is okay. a huge part of it. Don't forget, it was like week 13 or 14 or 12 or something last year. Do you remember the stat? It was like if the Broncos had scored like 
15 points a game or something. They would have been like 12 and two or something at that point. Maybe it wasn't that exaggerated, mm-hmm. exaggerated but that was a crazy saying, stat last year. So their offense doesn't need to improve if, if their defense can play as well as they did last year. And that's obviously a big if up until the last five weeks, they're like the best defense in the NFL. If their defense can play as well as they did last year, their offense doesn't need to be the best offense in the NFL. Their offense just needs to be an average offense and they can win a lot of games. So I'm not saying Russell Wilson with Sean Payton is all of a sudden going to turn them into a top five or maybe not even a top 10 defense. But if they even take one and a half steps forward from, because they were abysmal offensively last year. Mm. They were LA. They they were so, they were funny to watch. It was actually hysterical to watch Broncos, the Broncos offense last year. They improved by a little bit. And I'm not saying they're going to win 12 games, 11 games, 10, 10 games. I think nine games is doable. That's fair. I, I, again, it's more just, I don't know. You're really, we'll see. We'll see. I, I went under, it's, I think it's, I agree with you though. The defense, you, you make a fair point with the defense, maybe driving this more, just the division they're in yep. AFC West, like that could quickly be, I mean, it's a division game. So maybe they win, but like three, four losses right off the bat. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, I, I'm not super high on the Raiders, but that's a week one game. If you don't come prepared and correct, Raiders could, you know, there's talent on the Raiders. I think they're a little shallow depth wise. So like over the course of the season, they may be like, maybe that's a team you'd rather play end of the season twice rather than like week one when they're ready to go. Um, You don't come correct to that one. You're going to lose at home and you know, four or five losses right there. You're already kind of running into a wall and um, they are um, it's the 23rd easiest schedule. So, you know, you're talking what top 10 hardest schedule entire league this year. Um, again, a lot contributed to the fact that they play the Chiefs twice. Um, I don't know. Under, what do you got? Uh, and I will say the odds have actually changed that over-under over the past month because I bet the over at plus 105 down to minus 105 now. So actually now is a good time to bet the under. Uh, you're going to get a little bit more value on that than you, than, than you got a month ago. Fair. Uh, my best bet is also an under, but it, and it's one that I've talked about in the past, but the Chicago Bears, I think we agree on this one because this is the Chicago Bears team that won three games last year and other totals all the way up to seven and a half. So for them to go over the win total, they need to improve by five wins this year. For a team that in the offseason, basically, I mean, their biggest move was signing DJ Moore. Like, all okay, now Justin Fields is going to be an MVP candidate now that they have DJ Moore. I don't believe it. I don't see it. This team was the worst team in the NFL last year. I think they'll be one of the worst teams in the NFL again this year. An over-under win total of seven and a half. And I think of all the win totals, I think this one – is the one of the if not the biggest difference between last year's wins and this year's wins the other team that kind of went the opposite direction is the vikings who won 13 last year they're to win goals at eight and a half this year but mm. for the bears to improve by five wins this year i mean i know the nfc stinks overall but still i can't see it i'll take the under seven and a half wins on the bears that's the easiest win total bet to me on the board if you didn't have this one, I would have put it as mine. That's how I, so I'm with you here on the under. Um, again, it, it's similar to the Broncos. Like I just expecting such a leap. I kind of see what the bears, obviously different reasons, different situations, but it's a team that was one of the worst in the NFL last year. And you're just expecting them to take this giant leap. And it's kind of built out of like an expectation that Justin Fields is going to take this leap and become an MVP candidate. And like for the Broncos, it's that like Sean Payton's going to revive this Broncos team. I just, those are like not proven things. It's like you're, it's an idea right. and it could happen, but it's not like this is like a fact. Like right. it's not like, like also it's not like if the Bears went out and signed five new offensive, five Trent Williamses from the Niners or right. traded from, then like, yes, I'd understand that like the Brock, the Bears, they have a tangible leap in them. So I think this is completely built off the fact that Aaron Rodgers left the NFC North. And that the Vikings are seen as like the biggest like regression candidate, like you noted, eight and a half win total. I think it's baked in the fact that um, you th- people think the NFC North is up for grabs and anyone can win it. So the Bears are going to get like a huge bump up because they're in a lot more toss ups than you would be last year when like you're expected to lose to the Packers twice. And the Vikings are not necessarily like a known quantity of like overratedness. So I agree with you. I think this is not seven and a half. Um, I got plus money on the under. I, I think it's crazy. And um, I envision I will be betting the Packers in some form or fashion in week one. Maybe it's like a teaser or something. But Packers plus two and a half in week one. Uh, I imagine I'll be on that one. 
Yeah, you can bet the Bears under seven and a half wins right now, plus one ten. Yeah, available out there. Love that. Yeah, thank you. Um, I did a I did my first fantasy football draft last night, and Justin Fields was the fourth quarterback taken off. Oh my god! Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, and the fourth quarterback taken was Justin Fields. I almost fell out of my chair. Was it a Bears fan? That's the only only explanation. I don't think so. I I didn't. I don't know the guy personally, but I I don't think so. I don't think that's what it was. I think he's that's just one of those guys who just thinks he's going to win MVP this year. No, that guy's going to come in last. Lamar Jackson's still on the board. No, I'm going to take Justin Fields. Joe Burrow, Especially, Justin Herbert. No, give me Fields. <laughs> it's like it's like the uh, first take Max Kellerman, like light, speed of the world on the line. I want Iguodala. I want Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, all right, let's switch over to college football to wrap up the show here. Uh, as we mentioned there a little bit, um, college football week zero in the book, small slate, but games still happen. But my big thing that I want to ask you about, uh, which I didn't even know was, uh, being implemented this year until I saw people talking about it. Cause I'm obviously not a huge college football guy, but the new, uh, rule with the clock, um, can you explain that to me a little bit? Um, and did it have an effect on this past week's games? So to explain it, the college football um, looks more like the NFL now. It used to be where a first down, you'd stop the clock at any point in the game. The clock would stop, they'd reset the change, and then the clock would start running again. So um, you'd be able to run more plays, obviously. Game's a little bit slower. And the NCAA this year decided to go more college runoff where only they only stop the clock first down inside the last two minutes of each half rather than the entire game. So small sample size. It, w- it was about expected that this would be, but uh, five fewer plays last week compared to the average last year it was like something a little over 63 versus a little over 68 last year. Worth noting though, that Notre Dame Navy snoozer was like one of the slowest games in college football, mm. like re- last decade, they were only like 55 plays. So that kind of, bro- again, seven game sample size. So it kind of brought it, down even further but still the average is about five about nearly two less possessions overall compared to last year which i think is maybe more the takeaway um rather than total plays um my take on this is i'm not reacting pretty much whatsoever to the change in clock it was only a drop in five total plays and unders if you're talking from like a betting perspective four and three to the under in the seven games and i think that a few of those games probably should have went over with a few better decisions or like injuries or stuff like that. You know, you talk about UTEP Jacksonville state, a lot of empty drives there that were in plus territory, the Ohio game starting quarterback, we're just talking about Curtis Rourke got injured in the late first, early second quarter really stopped the scoring there. So I think don't overreact like my own anecdotally. I'm on like a handful more overs than unders this week. I'm, I'm not really reacting to uh, the, play call change viewer wise though i don't really like it i think college football is unique for a certain reason i think the the long games and the clock stopping like that's what makes college football great and chaotic it's like well you know more opportunities for comebacks and stuff like that the clock's always stopping um so it's definitely a change of pace and like there's also like not that much the games ended like 10 minutes faster it's like for more commercials and stuff it's super lame but yeah yeah that was my big takeaway from what i saw that i thought the idea of this was to speed up games a little bit, but then it's mostly they took the same amount of time. So now they're just cramming in more commercials. Was exactly exactly. Mm-hmm. That's what it and is. that's kind of that's kind of my one of my biggest issues with college football to begin with. Is I always felt there, and maybe I was wrong, but I always felt like there's way more commercial breaks in the NFL. Am I crazy for thinking that? College football games are like decidedly longer half times five minutes longer in college Mm. and the games are like notably slower like there's always like on saturdays like when you have like your espn like like quadruple whatever quintuple header in a row you always like the you could miss like the entire first quarter of a game like you have to tune into espn news like that was pretty commonplace in college football not as much in nfl nfl is typically you know you'll have like one or two games that goes like the long one, like into like, you know, your four fifteen, four twenty window and stuff like that. But college is like regularly, you'll see like a four hour game or something like that, like real time. And this is just what college football is now. A lot of, uh, 
like moving towards like a more national product that I think is starting to suss out a lot of the fans of the sport, in my opinion. Hunter says primetime college football games have the most ad breaks. Yeah, I longest most games. usually when I watch college football, it's primetime games. So that's that adds up. With it's, my it's, a, it's the longest games runtime, so it makes sense that there's more commercials. But with this new rule, you're not really seeing a drop off in the pace of play. It's more in the commercial breaks because like the right. drives are still ending, you still go to break and stuff like that. Um, any other takeaways from week zero? I know we covered most of it. I don't think we mentioned uh, USC at all. USC with a big win over who was it? San, San Jose State, I believe. Mm-hmm. Any any big takeaway from that game or any other takeaway from week zero? Uh, my only takeaway from USC in week zero is that their defense still sucks and they're not going to make the college football playoff. I don't care yeah. how good Caleb Williams is and this new freshman, uh, Zach Branch. Um, defense still terrible and that's going to be the mo all year is that a lincoln riley thing or is that just a usc talent lincoln they have plenty of talent they've raided the transfer portal for talent and lincoln riley continues to employ um his defensive coordinator alex grinch who is kind of you know the mastermind behind this failure i mean this was a team that was like bottom 10 in most advanced defensive metrics and i expect this year they're going to be towards that again and that's going to cost them when they have a pretty rigorous back half of the schedule they're probably, you know, they'll, they'll be very good. They'll win like 10 games, but they're not college football playoff good. The Grinch, the stole defense. Um, all right, let's move on to week one of the college. That was a bad joke. Week one of the college football slate. Um, I know obviously you're going to uh, going live tomorrow. Is that noon tomorrow as well? The college football show. We, we are live with Cody Williams. Uh, we are live at three o'clock. The three o'clock, so a little bit later in the day, three o'clock Tuesday, you and Cody Williams. So I don't want you to give away too much. Uh, mm-hmm. but give us foot NFL fans who are well, obviously uh, we're going to be looking for some football to watch this weekend. Uh, still one week away from the NFL starting. Give us your top three games to watch uh, for this uh, for week one of the college football season. Yeah, it's a Labor Day weekend, so kind of a unique schedule it's also the opening week of the season but you have a handful of thursday games friday games obviously a lot of the games on saturday but then you have a handful on sunday and then there's one standalone game monday so for you nfl heads that are going to be tuning in um the sunday night game lsu florida state is going to be an absolute banger uh these yeah these are two teams with college football playoff hopes i believe like this jalen did Jaden Daniels, the LSU quarterback, is the second choice to win the Heisman. Jordan Travis, the Florida State quarterback, is like the fourth or fifth choice. So this is like a high-level game. These two played last year in same spot, week one, Labor Day weekend, Sunday night. Uh, Florida State won on an LSU missed extra point. It was absolutely crazy. Um, these two meet again. LSU is a small favorite. A um, lot of future pros on both sides of the ball. I think it's going to be a really exciting game. Um, I think both offenses have an avenue to success and I think, you know, could run the ball and also hit some chunk plays down the field. So definitely one to keep an eye on. And then also is, like uh, is, is baby Gronk going to be there with Livy Dunn? I don't know where he'll be rising up Livy, but I know that uh, he will be rising up Livy Dunn, whether it's at a watch party or it's uh, I think it's in Orlando uh, in the, in the stadium. I wonder if ESPN will uh, cut away to him. Yeah. Uh, great question. All right, moving on. Next game. Uh, Clemson-Duke. This is the only game on Monday night. Clemson on the road at Duke. Duke was like this super uh, feel-good story last year on our first-year coach, Mike Elko. They won eight or nine games. Like This is a Duke team that's like regularly won like three or four. So huge jump in expectation. Clemson is like my favorite team Like heading into the year in terms of like betting. Ooh. I think that this team is like going to go undefeated in the regular season, have a Heisman finalist and go to the college football playoff. Good. I don't know if they'll win at all, but they're to me, one of the top four teams in the country. Clemson's laying a big number on the road against Duke. I think it's justified. Duke's defense is a little overrated last year, number two in turnover margin. So I think Clemson, they hired TCU's offensive coordinator, Garrett Riley, obviously for those, I think everyone is familiar with TCU's run last year, the national championship game, really explosive offense. I think you're going to see a lot of that from Clemson in this one. I think they could really run up the score a bit here. So I think Clemson wins big, but it's, that's a team you're going to want to watch this year because they play in a lot of marquee games, but I think like they're justified that they're in those marquee games for a reason that they're like college football playoff good. 
All right. I like it. What about the final one? Uh, yeah, if you want to, I don't know if like the NFL heads will be as interested, but if you want to watch like a good old fashioned random college football game between a team, you might see it like the end of the year and like the cotton bowl, or, like a new year six bowl as like the group of five small school, South Alabama, Tulane Saturday night is the game for you. Tulane, of wow. course, upset USC in that crazy cotton bowl last year. I believe it was on new year's day. They host South Alabama, um, to me, South Alabama being like disrespected in this game. South Alabama was really good last year. Arguably the best team in the Sun Belt, which is like arguably the best group of five conference in college football right now. South Alabama returns a ton on both sides of the ball. They go to Tulane, a team with a lot of hype after last year's Cotton Bowl win, but they lost their defense coordinator. They lost their really explosive running back, Ty J. Spears. Keep an eye on him in the NFL. Uh, he's backing up Derrick Henry now with the Titans. They lose a lot, and I think South Alabama's live in this game. Should be a lot of fun in that like prime time Saturday night slate. So uh, South Alabama two lane should be a banger of a game. Uh, sneaky good on this week one slate. All right, love it. Uh, and if you want to hear more college football, like I said, tomorrow three p.m. Eastern, you and Cody Williams uh, breaking down some even more stuff. You're you going to be giving out picks on that show, or where is the best place people can get your college football picks for those for those of us betters out there? Follow me on Twitter. It's right here. If you're watching on YouTube at Reed Wallach. And then also my bet stamp, uh, download the app wherever you, you download apps uh, at RW three, three. That's where all my plays are in real time. I bet them, you know, I track it as soon as I bet them. Beautiful. Uh, so there you go. That is our show. My friends, thank you all so much for watching. Uh, sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook, uh, And when you do use the code STB, You'll get $200 in bonus bets uh, if your first wager is for $5 or more. It does not matter if the bet wins or loses. So, um, hey, maybe bet some college football this week. And if you bet $5 on your first game, it doesn't even matter if it wins or loses. You get $200 in bonus bets. Follow me on Twitter at IanMacBets. Follow Reed at Reed Wallach. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Give this, uh, give this stream a uh, like. If you're listening to the audio version of this, rate and review the podcast. That helps us out a ton. Thank you all so much for watching. I'll be back next week. It'll be myself and Sterling back to preview week one of the NFL season. We're back, baby. Tune in tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern for Reed and Cody. Uh, once again, thanks so much for watching. We'll talk to you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.